Hello and welcome to Ode to Games. My name is Logan Plant and I'm joined today by Kevin Valine. How you doing, Kev? Doing good. How are you doing, Logan? Doing well. And today, Zach Rost is not with us, but we are joined by a very special guest. You may have seen him on Twitter at Stealth40K or on Twitch. Today, we're joined by Stealth. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks so much for being here. You're a big Nintendo fan. You tweet a lot about Nintendo news and games and a big RPG fan. And we're going to be talking about both of those today. But first, we want to ask you, did you play... The Secret of Mana remake on PS4 a couple years ago. I did not. Okay, you, okay, I was. I did play the. I, I did play the Trials of Mana remake that just came out for Switch and PS4, but I did not play uh, the. I believe the Secret of Mana remake also came out on Vita. If I yeah, it did. Am <laughs> thinking correctly, but um, I did not play that. I, I wanted my memories of the <laughs> SNES game to kind of stay there. You lucked out. You uh, did, man. That game is a mess. It is, yeah. Yeah, we, we played it together, the, and it's terrible. I heard that the other remake was a lot Yeah, that's what I heard. But, uh, yeah, you, you lucked out. <laughs> did you like Trials of Mana, that remake? I did. That that remake was absolutely fantastic, and I, I think it goes underrated. Um, it, it, it's very, very good. Yeah, I wanted to play it, but I was so burned by the Secret of Mana <laughs> one that I just haven't picked it up yet, so we'll see if I get around to yeah, it. Yeah, I, I, I highly recommend that. Cool. Yeah, Secret of Mana, not good. Definitely skippable. But let's get into the news. Nintendo announced that Fire Emblem, Shadow Dragon, and the Blade of Light is coming to Switch on December 4th. This is the original Fire Emblem game starring Marth. They had a, a really cute video about two kids playing Smash Brothers talking about how they don't really know who Marth is because the original Fire Emblem only came out in Japan. Uh, this was released on the Famicom in 1990. Uh, and it had a remake on the DS, uh, Fire Emblem Shadow Dragon, which came out in 2009. Uh, but this is the original Famicom version, localized into English for the first time. But it also has some updates. It's coming with built-in save states and rewinds and other quality-of-life things we've seen in Fire Emblem, like fast-forwarding through enemy turns. Come to the eShop for $6, $5.99. And get this, it is only available to purchase until the end of the franchise's 30th anniversary on March 31st, 2021. If that date sounds familiar, it's because it's the same day that Nintendo's delisting Super Mario 3D All-Stars and Mario 35 on the Switch eShop. We'll get to that part of it in a second, but Stealth, I want to come to you first on this. What do you think of the first Fire Emblem coming to English and America for the first time? Pretty surprising, actually. Um, I feel like there were rumblings. I, I think this leaked on, on one of the ratings boards, um, but like no one was really talking about this or expecting it that day. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I, it's definitely a long time coming. I mean, Fire Emblem is really big now, and um, you know, it is nice to have the original, original game localized. Obviously, Fire Emblem Shadow Dragon was the remake. And came out on DS, and that was and that was like the first localized version of the first game. Um, but I, I was probably most impressed with that collector's edition. That that is a very pretty collector's edition. Yeah. Um, so that comes with a replica NES uh, cartridge, which is like see through, uh, and a game box. It comes with a mini Nintendo Power collectible, a deluxe art book, which has what like two hundred pages, like it's massive. I think so. Yeah, it's yeah. big. It's a big one. And it comes with a and digital download code of the game. Yeah, it, it's a very nice collector's edition. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I, we're going to talk about this. I, I'm not a fan of having this limited, having this be for a limited time only. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, Fire Emblem Three Houses is one of my favorite Switch games. I, I love Fire Emblem. Um, so the more Fire Emblem on Switch, the better. This isn't bad news. That's oh, great news. Kevin, what's your take on this? As someone who's never played a Fire Emblem game in my life, I'm happy for the people that uh, that have gotten into the series recently with Three Houses or if they've been introduced through Smash, that they can go back and replay the original on Switch with the quality of life improvements that they've probably come to expect from the newer titles that they've actually gotten into. Uh, and I would assume that since it's an older game, it's a little bit more brutal. So <laughs> it's it's nice for... Uh, uh, actually. Actually, it's no more or less brutal than any other Fire Emblem game. Uh, they all tend to have the same like benchmark of difficulty because they're all basically okay. chess RPGs. Um, yeah. But you know, in terms of it like looking like an S, looking like an NES game, that's gonna take some getting used to because I don't think many people nowadays are, are used to that style, um, yeah. which isn't obviously doesn't look like anything current. So. Uh, I think that that's going to take some getting used to for people. I think the biggest yeah. the biggest dif difference difficulty-wise is it doesn't look like this game comes with an option for... The, the casual mode is what it's called in Fire Emblems from Awakening and onward, where you don't lose your, your units permanently if yeah. you die in battle. It looks like there is permadeath, which is not an option to turn off. So I think that could be the biggest difference, because like even Zach, uh, he played it in casual mode when he played three houses and i know a ton of people who played that game play it in casual and not classic so i think that's the main thing difficulty wise that's going to be a difference i mean for for six bucks it's it's not much to lose to at least test it out maybe you don't like it you know maybe it's just not for you because it's one of the old you know older style games you can't get into it but uh, for six bucks uh you can't really go too wrong with that if if you played the previous ones and you want to give this one a shot yeah, they're really getting that 30th anniversary branding in there at the very tail end of the year. There's a, it's coming out in December, and it's like, well, it's only available till the end of the anniversary in March. It's like, yeah, that doesn't make much sense. But I think the announcement is really cool. Uh, I mean, for six bucks, there's there's no harm in picking it up. It is it's such an easy thing to pick up and buy. And I hope this opens the door for other Fire Emblem localizations because there's some other Japanese exclusive games. Uh, that are still only in Japan, whether that's on the Super Famicom uh, or a couple of others. So I think that it would be yeah. I think there's like six. I think there's like six of them. Yeah, yeah maybe it might be wrong. It's like five or six of them. There, there, there's another one on NES. There's like two or three on SNES, um, and then there's one on the Game Boy Advance that wasn't localized. And then they started with the second Game Boy Advance game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we've seen it since then. So it's interesting. It's Fire Emblem's 30th anniversary, but yeah. really only the 20th in the West um, from when we actually first saw the franchise. So yeah, cool announcement. I'll be picking it up um, for six bucks. But we all mentioned we're not really thrilled about this next part, which is that it is expiring on March 31st, 2021. Three games set to expire that day. As we said, Mario 35, which is currently free to Nintendo Switch Online members. Super Mario 3D All-Stars, a limited run physically... And that's also going to be delisted from the eShop. And now Fire Emblem. And the way Nintendo is kind of justifying this is with the anniversary angle. They're like, oh, the end of Mario's 35th. And now they're like, the end of Mario or of Fire Emblem's 30th anniversary. So it's it's just a really weird move creating this artificial scarcity that I'm not a fan of. And and Stealth, you said you weren't a fan of it either. What's your take? Yeah, it, it's really bizarre. Um, th it makes no sense. I mean, I, I understand not selling the collector's edition anymore because it's expensive, and that's one thing. 
Um, and, and, you know, there are situations where games are removed from different shops for licensing reasons, like the uh, Marvel vs. Capcom games. Um, those, you know, they usually come out, and then, like, a couple years later, they, they have to be removed. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, you know, Capcom doesn't have the, li- the, the Marvel license at that moment, and they can't sell the game anymore. Um, yeah. For a first-party game to be removed for no reason whatsoever, um, I it just doesn't make any sense to me at all. Um, you know, people were telling me with, um, you know, Super Mario 3D All-Stars, oh, you know, they're doing it so then they can break out the games individually and sell them that way. Fine. But what's the excuse for one NES Fire Emblem game? Why? I don't I, I just don't get it. Yeah, Kev? I mean, we were talking about this before that one of the ways that they could go about it after it gets delisted to have it still be around is to put it on the NES online subscription. Well, why yeah, didn't you they, just they, do they that in the first place? Like, why isn't it just... Well, yeah, yeah, right I, right I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know why that would, that would have to be the caveat to pull it off the shelf originally, but if we're talking about what they would do going forward, that is an option. But I, the I, problem I, here is they don't say anything. We don't know. All we yeah. know is that it's getting delisted, and after that date... If you don't have it, then there's a chance that you just don't have it. I I think there's someone on the sales team who's now high up that thinks that this like limited time release thing is a good idea Um, because we've seen it now with like three games. Um, So I I don't know. I I just think this is like a new thing that they're trying. And obviously it did work for 3D All-Stars because it sold like the most of any 3D Mario game um, up 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 to that point. So it's people are going for it but re- like removing a perfectly good game and then they were going to do it i think with that jump that that um yeah, that, that shot yeah. yeah they were going to do that people complained and now it's and now they're keeping it on right. yeah um yeah. so that's going to happen with these it's going to happen with mario it's going to happen with fire emblem and they're probably just going to end up keeping them i have to imagine um because the backlash like the, the day before is going to be severe yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the frustrating thing to me is that there's just so many questions and speculation right now because they're not saying what the plan is at that date. No. If they said, yeah, and after that point, they'll be listed individually on the eShop for 25 bucks, And it's more. It's 75 total instead of 60 for the collection. So you should get it now, but you can still get them later. And then Mario 35, I mean, Tetris 99 is still going and still has a pretty large player base. And it seems like a lot of people are playing Mario 35. It was just in the news recently discovering that you can play as Luigi um, by beating every level and then holding L when you when you pick a stage. And it's like, why, why are you getting rid of these experiences? And then Fire Emblem, I don't know. I... It's only $6, so I'm not complaining about the price, but I do think it's weird it's not just a part of NES Online, because to me it's a lot like Star Fox 2. It's like this game that was never playable before, and here, it's bundled in with the SNES Classic. You know why? Because if it's free, you can't offer that crazy collector's edition. That's Um, true. I I think that's the reason. And and it's like, you know, they, they just released Kirby Fighters, too, and that's not limited. So I, I think that I think they think that you know anniversary games need to be limited, for whatever reason. Yeah, which I, I yeah. don't know. I'm not a fan of that uh, really at all. I mean, we saw with the Super Mario All Stars when it came out on Wii, 
I mean, you can still find that like on eBay for like 20, yeah. 25 bucks. Like it's not super limited, but this, yeah. this Fire Emblem Collector's Edition is I think going to be, be extremely limited. Yeah. expensive in a few years. Yeah, I, I'm not worried about Super Mario 3D Collection just because it's already sold like 3 million physical copies. There's, by, by March, there's going to be enough out there where it's not going to get marked up to like $300 on eBay when when it's over. That That's fine. Um, but yeah, you're, you're right that the Fire Emblem collection, they're, 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 they're not going to sell a million of those. I don't think. Yeah. It's, it's definitely going to well, be and limited. It's, and it's the digital download code, right? Yeah. So yeah. So if we're talking about the physical copy, that's a one use thing. If you want the extra goodies, then Hey, you can, you can pony up the extra cash for, mm-hmm. for the extra stuff that comes with it, but you're not getting the game with it. If someone already bought it, cause then they've yeah. assumed they've already used the code unless they're a reseller purely as a reseller yeah i would i just wish that they'd talk about what happens after like what like what they're going to do with it because i mean people will be bothered if you had to buy it for this time but then it's free after like (laughs) it's just going to bother people yeah that would not be a great move and i do actually want to talk about what comes after for a second put on the the conspiracy cap here for a moment so all these games are getting delisted on march 31st which is the end of nintendo's fiscal year runs april 1st through the end of march uh, every year is this as simple as that's the easy date to peg to make something the end of like, and then they can wrap all those profits into their end of year financials. Or do we think something is happening with Nintendo's online game service beyond this point that would make this model not work? Like, are they planning some sort of N64 virtual console that Mario 64 is going to be a part of? Like, is that, is that reading too much into it? Do you guys think? I think you're giving Nintendo a little bit too much credit (laughs) there. I, I think they're just, ending it because that's a nice time to end it because it's the end of the fiscal year and they'll be able to count up all those profits um you know up until that point Mm -hmm. um yeah i i don't think there's any like hidden reason but i could be wrong yeah probably yeah i think the easier the easier explanation is that it's the end of the fiscal year and that just wrapping it all together because it's not necessarily the end of an anniversary of when the games came out that they're picking it's just the anniversary of March 31st is not the actual anniversary date. It's just the date that they decided to choose end of the fiscal year. That sounds like the easy, the easy answer would just be, yeah, to, mm-hmm. to make it all come together in terms of, uh, in terms of the money that they're getting from it. Uh, but it could be something different. Who knows? I don't know. Yeah. With, with Mario specifically, I, we don't know the original plans really at all. If E3 had happened, if, the COVID-19 pandemic had not happened, but I almost wonder what if Mario was originally planned for say a June release. And then they're like, and you have until December 31st to buy it. The end of this actual Uh, year. I'm pretty sure that's what the rumor was, is um, that was rumored for June. Pikmin was actually supposed to come out in April. Um, Super Mario uh, 3d world plus Bowser's Fury was supposed to come out in September. Um, and they had other games. So, like, yeah, their release schedule was definitely screwed up by, by COVID. Mm-hmm. So, and then that, I think that would have made more sense to people. Like, December 31st, okay, the end of the actual 35th anniversary year. But I guess they pushed it to the date that made the next most sense to them, which is March, 30, March 31st. But the average consumer doesn't know that that's when Nintendo's fiscal year ends. So, to them, that's just, like, an arbitrary date. So, it probably is nothing, and that's really the reason, is it maybe would have been December but now it's March because everything was pushed back a few months. Right. Then that would just lead to believe that they just pushed it back and that there's no, no specific reason why they have 
certain dates for something planned after that. Just they moved it a couple months after that so people could actually buy these games and they wouldn't just be delisted in like two weeks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. But really weird. I don't want to see this be a regular thing moving forward from Nintendo. Hopefully they see the feedback that people really don't like this, but maybe the crazy sales numbers will be enough for them to continue doing it because it is going to work. Like, Kevin, you're going to buy Fire Emblem. You've never played a That's Fire the thing. Emblem I was, before. I was, I was about to say that. I, I hate that they do this, <laughs> but they're going to get people like me to buy the game because if it wasn't going to be pulled off of the shelves, they're probably just like, yeah, you know, I'm not a Fire Emblem player. I'm cool for the people that want it, but I'm not going to need it. Mm -hmm. But now that it's getting pulled off, or at least that's what we assume is going to happen, I feel like I I need to get it just to have it for when it does get delisted. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's just for these special anniversary releases. Like Pikmin 3 is not limited. Uh, 3D World isn't limited. Um, so I don't, I don't think that's going to be a thing going forward with like their big, like monthly releases. I, I think it's just for these, you know, kind of anniversary special situations. Um, 3d all-stars makes no sense to me whatsoever that, that, that will sell forever. Um, if you let it, but you know, I mean, Fire Emblem, I understand more, I, I don't like it, but I understand it more than, you know, three, the, uh, 3d all-stars collection. Yeah. So actually, I was just thinking about this. This idea just popped in my head. I don't think Nintendo has had a first-party anniversary game release since digital downloads became a thing for them. Because digital downloads have only been a thing on 3DS. Right? You have the DSi stuff and the Wii stuff. But full retail releases have only been a thing to download on the 3DS, the Wii U, and the Switch. And thinking back, I don't think either of those systems got a big anniversary release. So it's possible Nintendo's always had this philosophy that anniversary things should be limited, but because they've only been physically until this point, they've never had to worry about that. But now that they are playing in the digital space, they're like, oh, we still need this to be limited, just like the physical copies of, like the Kirby anniversary collection on Wii, the Mario All-Stars thing we already talked about. So maybe that's their mindset, is they've never done this in a digital space before. I don't know. I mean, it's it's you know I'm sure that this decision was made in some meeting somewhere in in you know in uh, Tokyo, but um, I, I just I, honestly it just it just doesn't make sense to me. It just makes no sense to pull a game that doesn't need to be pulled. Yeah. Yep, I agree. So what's what's the next anniversary title that's going to get pulled here? What what's the next anniversary well, coming up? Zelda. Well, the, the, yeah, Zelda. there's Zelda, but they they won't if they do like a Zelda collection and they. I don't know if that that's not going to go over well. If, and also Metroid, that 30th or 35th anniversary is also coming up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'll be um, the 35th for well. Metroid, but they didn't they yeah. didn't care at all for Metroid's 30th. So we'll see if they do anything. No, but we'll see. But but Zelda, they're 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 going to do something for Zelda. If they did something for Fire Emblem, they're they're going to release some game for 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 Zelda. You hope. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, I mean, I I just hope that's not limited. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, like if they bring over Twilight Princess and Wind Waker in like a collection and it's like, these are, you can still go buy these yeah. on Wii U and they're like, you only got six months to buy these. That would <laughs> be a bad look. That'd be a really bad look. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, let's move on from that. Sticking with Nintendo though, video game analyst Michael Pachter said earlier this week that Nintendo should scrap the Switch and only have the Switch Lite. And he said that most people only play their Switch in handheld mode. Uh, and so we could just get rid of the dock altogether and have like a USB stick for people who still want to play on their TV. Stealth, you were saying before the show, maybe these were taken a bit out of context, so you're not being too hard on these comments. I mean, I haven't like watched like 
the I haven't seen the original interview or if this came from a video, I haven't seen it. So, you know, there's always a chance that, you know, maybe he didn't mean it exactly that way. But, yeah, that's just a bad, bad idea. And, you know, as an analyst, I understand like analysts look at it from, you know, costs and profits. And obviously the light is cheaper. So then he's probably thinking, okay, it's cheaper. It'll sell more over the holidays or it'll sell more um, that way. Or they can lower the price and it'll be really cheap. Um, but I know from personal experience, I play on the TV with the Switch probably 75% of the time. Same, yeah. and then And then handheld, maybe 25%. Um, so for me, I mean, I feel like the whole, po- I mean, the whole great thing about the Switch is you have the choice um, to play however you want. That That's kind of the big big aspect of it and also if you look at like japan um the weekly uh famitsu sales numbers it's not like the switch light is selling that much better um than the original i'm pretty sure the original outsells it most of the time i think Mm -hmm. um i would have to look that up but it's it's not like a huge disparity for the light where it's like oh the light selling 90 percent of the units that's not the case um yeah it just doesn't it just wouldn't make any sense no, it wouldn't. And, like, the Switch is a great system for indies. It's kind of become the home for indie games since it launched in 2017. People love popping that thing out of the dock and playing those. But you don't want to play Breath of the Wild 2 on that screen. You want to play it on your huge TV. So it's just, yeah, it's just a, it was a silly comment. Not sure what he really meant. I mean, sometimes analysts just have to come up with new ideas, you know, so maybe that's all this was. But, Kev, do you have any thoughts to add? I feel like they've got the perfect setup here with the original model where you get to have the choice of if you want to play it on the TV or handheld. Yeah. I personally probably play 90% of my time on the TV. I rarely use it in handheld, but then they have the option of the switch light for the people that know that, that playing on the TV isn't a priority for them and it doesn't matter and they can get the handheld version. I don't know why you would cut out the option for a, a wide majority of people who do play most of the time on the TV. Why would you just get rid of that? Because I, that serves a, yeah. A great amount of people. I don't. I don't understand what the point would be to cutting that out. Especially right now, uh, the the Switch Lite came out what, five months before everyone started staying home and not going anywhere. And I feel like it, it for me personally. I have a Switch Lite, but it became a lot less relevant uh, once once the pandemic started and I wasn't traveling or going places or having a reason to take my Switch out of the house. Yeah. So. To, to strip that away, especially in like the current climate, just doesn't make any sense. I mean, they're 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 both selling. Yeah. Um, you know, Switch is breaking records in Japan and in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in terms of dollar sales, so it's like, why mess with this right now? It does, you know, things aren't bad where you have to shake it up. Then I would maybe understand a little bit more where he's coming from. But when Switch is breaking records, why would you remove a you know half? you know, the units, you know, or the, the big skew. Uh, it just doesn't, it really just doesn't make any sense. And that's why I'm leaning toward, he didn't mean it this way, or there's something missing here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, March 31st, 2021, uh, the standard switch will no longer be available. Switch light only from that point on. <laughs> just kidding, but we'll move on from that. Stardew Valley is getting a split screen co-op in update 1.5. This is confirmed for PC and consoles. PC can have up to four people playing split screen, but some consoles may be limited to two, and this is confirmed for all current consoles that Stardew is on, so PS4, Xbox, Switch. So, Kevin, this is pretty exciting, huh? Yeah. uh, I usually just do online, but, man, I feel like by the end of the development of Stardew Valley, I I have a hard time thinking any other game in this vein is going to be able to top it. 
just because this dude's been working on it for so many years, even post-release, and he's basically added every feature that you could ever ask for. Even the multiplayer, originally, I thought was a stretch. And then he got that in there, and now he's doing co-op on the same console or same PC, up to four players on PC and two on the on consoles, depending. Man, I feel like you've got every option in, uh, in Stardew Valley, and I just don't see any other game getting to its height. He's just adding everything. And then, of course, there's all the other new content that he's that he's adding more different types of of crops and things. He had a vote for for the uh, for the new crop as well, and I'm sure he's going to add new buildings and other things like that, and new end game end game things, which is a big point of 1.4. So I just don't think anything's going to come close to Stardew Valley after this. Yeah, start is <laughs> so crazy because like there's all these indie games that take inspiration from like tentpole video game franchises, but Stardew Valley outdoes like the Harvest Moon franchise in so many ways. It's almost made Harvest Moon and Story of Seasons significantly less relevant than they were in a pre-Stardew world. And I think split-screen co-op just expands that, like you were saying. Man, I just think back to when I was a kid and playing like Harvest Moon DS with my cousin, and we'd just be sitting on like the bed playing side-by-side and just playing that and imagining what it would have been like to have one console just be able to play Stardew split screen. Like that would have blown my mind back then. Yeah. Like Stardew was everything I ever wanted as a kid with the Harvest Moon games. Stealth, have you played Stardew Valley at all? I have never played Stardew Valley, but I have watched, you know, people stream it and, you know, people play it on YouTube. So, you know, I do know what it's about. And yeah, it's a, it's a very impressive game. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I, I kind of gravitate more toward Rune Factory. Rune um, just great. because that's farming and RPG stuff. And as you know, um, I'm big into that. So that's that's kind of where I gravitate toward. Um, but yeah, I mean, Stardew Valley, wasn't that like developed by like one person? One dude. Or something one crazy. Did it all. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, it puts most ga- it puts most farm sim games to shame. Um, I, I feel like you have Stardew Valley, you have Animal Crossing. It's not far it's not farming, but it's kind of the same Life vein vein of, of game. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um you have Stardew Valley of Animal Crossing, but yeah, the Rune Factory games have not been at the level of those two for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, at the very least for Rune Factory now, having that edge mm-hmm. of, of having the RPG elements and having Yeah, I mean I, I honestly I think Rune Factory 4 special on Switch is at that level. Like that's a very, very good game. And yeah. Rune Factory 5 looks good. Um, but yes, I mean, Stardew Valley is, it's, it's just very impressive. But just like thinking about where Story of Seasons sits now, they had the Friends of Mineral Town remake that came out and I heard that was really good. But for me personally, I'm at the point where Stardew Valley has all of my needs covered for a basic Harvest Moon game. And then if I want to switch things up, I'm just going to go play Rune Factory. I've got Rune Factory 4 Special on my Switch and Rune Factory 5 on the way. I... I wonder where Story of Seasons is going to fit in. Harvest Moon, the other series is already dead. Those games are awful now. But <laughs> yeah. I yeah, I mean, isn't the, isn't the, I think it's called One World? Maybe is that new that Harvest Moon game? Garbage. Yeah, it looks it's bad, but it's coming out next year, right? Um, I think so. I, I yeah. mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, coming out in a year with Rune Factory Five, probably not a great idea because Rune Factory Five is going to be good. Um, and yeah, that that game does not look good. <laughs> At this point, I think they're just banking on people remembering the Harvest Moon name and be like, "Oh, yeah. well, I remember this from when I was a kid," and then buy it and realize it's garbage. Is um, I I don't think the original SNES game is available on the eShop or part of the. No, I don't no, think. Or it part is. of the, I don't think so. Yeah, but I mean that game is real. I mean the the the, the original game is very very good. So I would, I would like to see it like at least available. 
Yeah. Yeah, that was on Virtual Console back. Some in the of the day. old Harvest Moons are so good. Like Harvest Moon sixty four. I played so much of that. Yeah, that, that, that's kid. very good. Yeah, going back to it though, the days are like so fast. Like you have no time to do anything in Harvest Moon sixty four. Like playing yeah. it, it's like man, like you run to town to talk to people, like your day's over. Like it, it, and it's crazy. it's it's not it's not really the same. It's not the same at all. Um, but you know now you now Switch has like ten Atelier games. And and the, those are RPGs, and they really aren't. They're not. They're 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 like collecting Sims. I mean, it kind of has that same aspect where you go out in the field, you collect things. It doesn't have like the crafting element or anything. Um, but you know, there 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 are options for that kind of collecting, doing stuff game that you know you don't. People haven't really looked for Harvest Moon. Yeah, and even even Minecraft can scratch that itch for people. Yeah. If you want to just build a farm, you can go build a farm in Minecraft in, in a few hours. So yeah, definitely wonder where Harvest Moon and Story of Seasons goes from here. But yeah, the Story of Seasons specifically, again, yeah. again, Harvest Moon is dead. That yeah. those games are off really bad. Yeah. But I do I do wonder what's next for Story of Seasons because you just have so much competition with all these other games with mm-hmm. Stardew, with Rune Factory, and then so many other games trying to catapult off of Stardew's success and you know, get into their own little niches. There's a bunch of different like Stardew light games with different settings, you know, running a bar, running, you know, graveyard keeper. I mm-hmm. I do wonder. Story of Seasons has, even though they're fine games, I feel like since the name change, they've been the same game over and over. They're gonna have to do something different with the next couple of titles because they're getting outdone on multiple fronts. Except they had that uh that Doraemon spin-off that surprisingly <laughs> came to the States, which I was they really did. surprised that that got localized. Yeah. Cool that it did, but yeah, no one knows what Doraemon is in, in America. Yeah. Yeah, but Stardew, cool update for that. It just keeps growing, um, which is pretty amazing to see. Let's move on, though. Sucker Punch job listing may hint at a Ghost of Tsushima sequel. So this is for a narrative writer position that asks for someone interested with a desire to write stories set in feudal Japan. And, like, obviously they're going to continue this franchise. This thing was is this is kind of like a duh piece of news, but wanted to throw it in. Uh, this is PS4's fastest-selling first-party original IP de- debut, so the best-selling new IP of the generation uh, to this point, and they're obviously going to continue it. Just got that huge update with multiplayer. Stealth, have you checked out this game at all? Have not played it. Watched a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, when a game sells that much, um, a sequel... Is a natural conclusion. That's for any game, really. Yeah. Um, so, so not. I mean, even Last of Us, which is supposed to be like a standalone thing, got a sequel. Um, you know, I, most Sony franchises do get sequels. Um, so this just made plenty of sense. Yeah, I mean, and then Sucker Punch has done it too. Sly Cooper got uh, a few yeah. games, and then Infamous got um, a bunch of sequels also. So it just makes sense. Anything specific that you want to see from a sequel, Logan, as the one person that's uh, played the game? Yeah, I adore this game, Stealth. I've been gushing about it for weeks on the show. I, I absolutely love Ghost of Tsushima. I just finished it last week. Yeah, I'm, I, I mean, I, I've seen like all the screenshots people take of it, and it looks mm-hmm. very good. Yeah, it's it a, very, it's very a good. gorgeous game. The combat system is incredible. I have some final thoughts on that in a bit. But yeah, for a sequel, I don't really know where they go just based on kind of the... I guess, historical standpoint of the the battle and the time period they're basing this on. So something I saw people on uh, on Twitter talking about was that there were multiple attempts for the Mongols to invade Japan. 
And what if the sequel jumps forward however many years to the next one of that has a new cast of characters and kind of just uh, has, has a new adventure? Because, I mean, obviously I can't spoil anything, but after I finished it, I'm like, I really don't know how you make a sequel to that game with this same set of characters. Like, I, I really don't know how it would work. So I would love to see this franchise continue, and I wouldn't mind if it was kind of this, like, anthology thing where it was, like, it, it, these separate entries in the same franchise that really didn't have anything to do with each other. That would be that would be cool to me. And maybe, like, the first game would be, like, a legend that they talked about in the second game. So there would be, like, these cool references back to what you did in the first game, and they talked about it, like, uh, either through a historical standpoint or, like, this legend. Did you ever hear the legend of the ghost? That could be really interesting. So... Yeah, I definitely want to see a sequel on PS5. This is one of the most gorgeous games on PS4, so I can't even imagine what they'd be able to do on PlayStation 5. But yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to dive into the multiplayer too. This is this is a really cool new IP for Sony that came in at the tail end of this generation. Yeah, I, I got to get around to it. It's you just do. too much on my plate. I keep saying that every week. Yeah. Uh, it's just too much to play. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Zach, I was saying, our, our other co-host, Stealth, he, uh, I have been trying to get him to pick up Ghost because I know he'll love it. And there's these two-player story missions I want to do with him. And he, I, I find him this cheap copy online. It was like 40 bucks on eBay. I send it to him. And he always does this. He's like, oh, I'll pick that up. And then it <laughs> sells before he does. And he's like, yeah, I wanted to play Ghost, but I've gotten distracted. I'm replaying the entire Uncharted series. So Zach... Wait, that's what he's doing now? Yep, Zach is going back to the beginning. Uncharted uh, 1 through 4. I did that earlier this year. He's doing it again now. And it was inspired by the Uncharted movie set photos that came out this week. So we saw Tom Holland as Nathan Drake. We saw a couple other uh, images that we don't really know what's going on. A book with some clues on it, like an artifact in this, like, hidden temple that all looked very Uncharted. Kevin, big Uncharted fan. Thoughts on these initial photos? cool to see something real because i feel like every time we talk about the movie it's like oh this director left oh they've got a new director oh you know we've got tom holland is mark Wahlberg gonna be in the movie like all these just speculations yeah. directors leaving the seventh director that they're on now so it's nice to see people on set to see things actually being filmed and worked on and it's more real now that this thing's actually being made and is going to come out i think that's the biggest photos yeah we also saw a picture of tom holland talking with nolan north the voice actor for nathan drake in the game so he he visited the set this was a, an old photo it was it was from a while ago back before i think it got shut down but so he's been there yeah they show him wearing the costume he's got the sick parvis magna ring uh yeah he he looks like he has a gunshot wound in the arm uh very uncharted so uh yeah stealth any thoughts on this movie uh, not, not, not a big fan of video game movies. I, I must say, um, I think the last video game movie I saw was mortal Kombat in like 1990, whenever that came out. Um, that's the last video game movie I saw. Um, I do like the uncharted series. I haven't played them all, but I, I've played some of them. Um, so I, I like it and I mean, it could turn out good, but you know, it's kind of a wait and see thing for me. You kind of have to wait and see with literally every video game movie. Like Sonic, yeah, I thought I mean, that thing was going to be awful, and I surprisingly actually really, yeah, really liked that movie. And then we also saw we also got a first trailer for the Monster Hunter movie, <laughs> and that looks so <laughs> disappointingly bad. Yeah. I so that depressed me. Yeah. Um. So you just never know until it's out. I absolutely hate the trailer for the Monster Hunter movie. Yeah, it is. It does not look good at all. Yeah, um, it is bad. 
Yeah, but hopefully this Uncharted one turns out good. I mean, Uncharted is so movie-like, so I can see it going either way. Like, maybe it can't outdo the the game storytelling because it has this eight-hour adventure to take you on to grow these stories and characters. Maybe it can't do that in two hours. Or maybe because it is such a cinematic series, it will translate very well and be a great movie. I can really yeah. see this one going either uh, way. I mean, it is more based in reality. We've seen movies like this before. You know, Indiana Jones, where, okay, there's an artifact he has to hunt, or, tre- or I think Treasure Book with uh, Nicolas Cage. So oh, there are movies yeah. like that's more... It's more rooted in a little bit of reality, like a treasure hunting movie. We've seen movies like that. So, I mean, we know they work. Well, Uncharted is basically video game Indiana Jones. So, yeah, right. like to they're going to make movie Indiana Jones, but yeah, but Uncharted. <laughs> yeah. And Indiana Jones 5, who the heck knows what's going on with that. So maybe this will, uh, this will, I think this will probably be better than that movie will end up being, if I had to guess, based on the last Indiana Jones movie. But and would it be better than, than the, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is the question. <laughs> I sure hope so. That movie is awful. That was that was the first Indiana Jones I saw. I saw that one before I saw the first three. I'm like, man, this movie sucks, and I just didn't get it. it was terrible. Yeah, it was real bad. <laughs> Watch the old ones. Like, oh, they're actually good. But National Treasure Three is still in development yeah, hell. <laughs> is it? When did National know. Treasure Two come out? Like 2009. Like, yeah, it was like yeah. a long time ago. It was a very long time ago, and there's supposed to be a third one. Uh, they're talking about making it a Disney Plus show instead. There's apparently some other Disney Plus <laughs> National Treasure show not related to Nicolas Cage. Yeah, I love the I love National Treasure one and two. I I adore those movies. So you gotta have Nick Cage in there. You though. do. You gotta have Nick Cage. Anyways, back to games. Something I wanted to mention: uh, Godfall, a game I have some slight interest in. PS5 launch game. Hoping to play it at some point co-op down the line. Uh, it had some previews for how loot progression works and. For being a PS5 launch title, I was actually impressed with the depth I saw from these previews. Uh, It kind of went through loot and progression, and they really talked about the developer's philosophy of you need to be happy with the loot you have, but also have the desire for more loot, which is really the core of why these games work, why Monster Hunter works, why Borderlands works. So that core tenet of this, that they are really thinking about that and have that down, I think is important. So... Just wanted to mention, I don't know if you guys saw anything about Godfall uh, this week on uh, online, but just wanted to mention those previews are out there if you have any interest in that one. Did it push you for or against it any more than you already were? I think more for because it actually looked it looked deeper than I thought it was going to. Like I thought I thought it wasn't going to be as complex in its systems as it actually did look from these things. Okay. So yeah, I, I'm excited about it. Um, this is one I'm going to wait on. I'm not happy. It's seventy bucks. I do not like this. I'm I'm not thrilled about the seventy dollar price increase. So I'll be waiting on this one for a price drop. But yeah, I think it looks cool. And it's an original, or original launch game, which is a rare thing to say for the next gen lineup. <laughs> yeah, when you just got all the cross platforms, then you got Xbox's lineup, which yeah, you know, that's that's something. Yeah. Well, Xbox doesn't have a first party lineup. <laughs> Not yet. No. They, they got one coming in a few years. I think they'll have a pretty good one. But yeah, yeah really, if you pick up an Xbox Series X anytime in the first year, you're really just like investing in the future uh, and, yeah. and enjoying Game Pass. Yeah. Kevin's not picking up anything next gen for a while. I'm getting a PS5 on launch stealth. What's your take on next gen real quick? Uh, I'm getting a. Um, I have no interest in the Xbox at all. Um, I, I, I will have to get. I, I I wasn't quick enough to get one at launch, but I will get a PS5 shortly thereafter, obviously. 
I'm going to have to play Final Fantasy 16 on it. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of yeah. other Japanese games I'm going to have to play on it. So, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty content going PS5, Switch, and the occasional PC. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you're a big JRPG guy. Xbox is just not the place for you. <laughs> I mean, even that, there's just really nothing exclusive to it that looks remotely interesting to me at all. Yeah, that's I fair. mean, if you have... If you have the option for PC for the occasional title, then if there is something that Xbox yeah. brings out that you're interested in, it's out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the main reason I could see myself getting an Xbox down the line is, like I said, seventy dollars games that are going to get added to Game Pass and no, no, no service on PS Five. That would be a better place to play those instead of instead of paying full price for those. So that I could see that as a boon, but I'm not interested in the Xbox anytime soon. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think, I mean, for, for PlayStation, I think Spider-Man looks good right away. Um, I think even Sackboy, which I think is PS4 and PS5, that, that 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 looks good. I mean, even just, like, the initial batch of games, games looks better than anything Xbox has exclusively. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm so. very excited for Sackboy. I mean, it looks like yeah. Super Mario 3D World. Uh, it, it looks good. Yeah. It looks good. There's definitely not enough 3D platformers, that's for sure. Speaking of, I don't think we talked about it at all after it came out, but people really like Crash Bandicoot 4, and that was that was cool to see. I don't think we ever talked about it on the show. Yeah, people like it. It didn't sell nearly as well as I thought it would. Um, you know, it well, okay, it it only had a limited amount of time before the NPD came out, but I think it debuted at like number 11. Yeah, um, you know, but you know, it it didn't have a full month, so to to be fair, but I I feel like it came out, got good reviews, and then everybody stopped talking about it. And I think it would have sold like crazy if it had been forty or fifty dollars, or on the Switch too, which yeah. people play platformers on the Switch. Um, I think it will be coming to the Switch probably next year, but this is too late. Yeah, yeah. But anyways, yeah, Kev, that, that's it for our news this the, week. Yeah, the trilogy sold so well. That thing just came out and was. Yeah. People were talking about that game for forever. It just kept on selling. Yeah. And then the fact that this comes out and. And unlike the trilogy, I feel like people have already kind of stopped talking about it. Which is a shame because it looks fantastic. But I mean, I'm part of the problem too. I didn't buy it. I didn't contribute to its sales. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. And, and for me personally, I was just not going to spend 60 bucks on it. Yeah. I, it, could, I would just look at the trilogy instead. It just came yeah. out at a rough time being $60 a month and a half before next gen. Like, I don't know. I just think it came out came out at kind of a rough time to to be successful, I think, in just the circumstances. So. I think it'll have a long tail, though. If we do see it drop to 40 or 30 on Black Friday, I think it'll be a popular pickup. And then if it does come to Switch, I think it'll see a big boost then. But yeah, I want to see it do well because I want to see more of these 3D platformers. Like a new Spyro? I want Toys for Bob to make Spyro 4 now. Uh, Since they're the ones who handled both Crash 4 and the Spyro trilogy, I want to see them uh, go back to that well and make a new Spyro because I really, really loved the Spyro trilogy. I never played Crash. It looked too hard and frustrating compared to like 3D Mario for me. So I never, I never picked up the Insane trilogy. It's a little brutal <laughs> playing the first game and not playing the second or the third, which I've heard are better games. Mm-hmm. I just played the first one. Once you get to the bridge levels, it's just like, all right, well, fun's over. <laughs> Gotta run on the ropes. Yeah. But at the very least, it was a good game, you know? Yeah, that's true. All right, Kev, that's it for our, our news hits. All right. Well, I guess we have stealth here. So, what's been on your plate, gaming wise, the last couple of weeks? What 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 you been? Haven't 
haven't had a ton of time to uh, play anything, but um, I've actually been playing um, from you know the Super Mario 3D All Stars collection. I've been playing um, Super Mario Sunshine for the first time. Oh, nice. Well, first the, well, I got up to like a, I got up to like twenty percent when it came out, and then I just put it down. I just didn't have the patience for it. But now, like I'm, I'm probably seventy five percent through now. So I've been going through that. Before that, I played Super Mario sixty four again. For the first time in like ten years, so I've been going through the All Stars collection. Curious, what your thoughts are first as someone who didn't play much of Sunshine when it first came out? What? How are you feeling about it? Um, beautiful game. Looks as good as anything now. I think. Um, yeah, it holds some, up really well. It's inf- it's an infuriating game, you know, from a gameplay <laughs> perspective. It, it, it it's infuriating. Yeah. I mean, there, there's some parts where I'm like, wow, this was super fun, and then other parts I want to throw the controller out the window, you know. Um, it, it, it's it's it, there's there, there's a there's an amazing 3D Mario game buried in there somewhere, <laughs> but it's it's just a good Mario game, and a good Mario game is fine because you know Switch is going to have like all the 3D Mario games but one. Um, so, you know, a good Mario game on Switch is fine, you know. Yeah, I was uh, saying this to Kevin earlier this week that I think uh, this compare, I compare Super Mario Sunshine to how I felt playing Sonic Heroes uh, back a couple years ago when we played that together. Because the first couple levels you play are just fantastic. And they're bright and sunny and just so much fun because they're easy. And they're yeah. not cumbersome. And then you get deeper into the game and they just start throwing this crap at you that is not fun, is not intuitive, and it's just not really all that well designed in some cases. And that's that's how this game feels. And it's like, man, if they could have yeah. just ran with what they had for the first couple hours of the game, this could have been a phenomenal experience. But instead it gets... I- really difficult yeah i i mean it's it's a very good game but all the other three mario games are amazing so that's kind of the difference yeah and you know it's fine like you know now with switch having every other 3d mario game you know 3d worlds coming out it's fine if sunshine you know is appreciated for what it is it doesn't need to be like the one mario game of the generation that blows everybody's mind it could just be appreciated for what it is so that's kind of what i'm doing now like I'm not like I don't have the expectations like this needs to be galaxy level or you know this needs to be Odyssey or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's certainly how, not. How, it's certainly not as good. No. as <laughs> No. How do you feel about the the pure platforming sections with the takeaway flood? Because those moments infuriated me as a kid, and I was wondering how it was going to be going back to it now, and they still piss me off. Um. Yeah, they're they're hard, but honestly, the levels that annoy me the most are those levels. But you have to get the red coins, and it's timed. But even though you have the flood, for for some reason, like the coins are always a little bit higher than where I'm hovering or lower, so I have to like turn back around. So those levels have been more annoying than the pure platforming ones, um, where I where I'm not timed, and you know I don't have to get coins. I just have to get through it. Yeah. See, I just avoided all those on my second playthrough, knowing yeah. that you don't have to do that and just be like, oh, I just have no. to get to the I mean, I think, <laughs> yeah, I think you only need like 75 shines to access it's, the last area. It's not, it's not based on the amount of shines you have. You just have to get to the seventh shine in every world and spray Shadow Mario. So uh, all yeah. of the shines in Delfino Plaza, all the blue thanks, coins. Thank, thanks for the spoiler. And, I haven't gotten that far yet. No, that's okay. Yeah, and the eighth and the eighth shine of every world is completely meaningless yeah. for for progression, which is oh, well, that's 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 interesting. I mean, I'm trying to hundred percent it. I'm trying, 
So we'll see. Blue coins, man. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I, 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 I've hundred percented every level, but now I'm on like the second to last level. So. Okay. And it's, it's so uh, weird. I haven't played that much of it. I played it for like four hours. Oh, but I will say this, the, the pinball level. Mm-hmm. Pachinko. Yeah. Yeah. The pachinko. I had to go on YouTube to kind of copy what they were doing and then kind of like cheese that level. Does that um, even help though? Because I feel like the physics just go out the window. It does. I, I learned that if you th- th- this is like next level stuff. Um, <laughs> but you know, if you're on the um, the bumper that makes you shoot up, if you don't press anything, you'll always land on one of the pegs, and then from there you can do certain things to get to each one. Oh wow! Um, but I, but I didn't know that. So when I was first doing it, I was like trying to really hover. But you, you just can't do that. But yeah, there are ways where, okay, you you don't press anything, you land on this peg, you tilt slightly forward, you land on this one, and then it shows you how to get the coins. That, that's the only way I was able to do it. That sounds abysmal. Yeah. yeah. I, don't remember I mean, that, 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 that level isn't good design. There's no skill involved in it at all. It's luck and and basically cheesing the level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you done the, uh, the the leaf on the poison water? I remember that one also sucked. Yeah, it took me. I died fifteen times just getting there. <laughs> oh yeah, because you have to get. Yeah, because it's it's a pain. Yeah, to get, you have to go Yoshi. on Yoshi. You have to go with Yoshi, yeah. and apparently, like, if you don't press it, it like it, Yoshi will disappear after a time. Right. I don't his, know how that juice runs out. Yeah. So a few times I was like almost there, and then he disappeared, and then I threw the controller. Um, <laughs> but I got there. And died, and I haven't tried it again since. Um, I'm probably gonna have to look that one up on YouTube too, just to see the best way to do it. Yeah, Super see, Mario Sunshine is, is so weird. Sunshine. It's so <laughs> weird because, like, what you're saying, Ked, you have to beat the first seven shines in every level. No other 3D Mario is like that. 64, you can go to all these different paintings and do whatever you want in them. Uh, Galaxy, you have choices. You just have to get a certain number of stars. That's the cap: is stars, moons in odyssey and then yeah. 3d world it's green stars 3d land you yeah. progress through but sunshine's the only one where it's like oh man if you hate this level too bad you gotta get all <laughs> gotta seven yeah that's that's <laughs> yeah. brutal it's it's such an anomaly in the 3d mario series which has changed a lot 64 sunshine galaxy the 3d games and odyssey are all very different from each other but Sunshine is by far the weirdest. And it's it's almost like that Majora's Mask thing. Like they followed up a groundbreaking game, which is a really weird entry. It's a really weird game. Yeah, it's it it's interesting playing through it again and, and hopping between level and being like, yeah, that was a lot of fun. And then you get to the next level, I'm like, I hate this. This is <laughs> awful. And then I hop to the next level, I'm like, oh, this is great. Like you you never know. Some of the levels are super fun, and then mm-hmm. some of them are just garbage. Like, yeah. But you have to play them except for the ones that you don't. And then those are just meaningless, but you know, good luck on the, on the hundred percent for, uh, for sunshine. Yeah. I mean, whether, I, it's I'm, Kinko, whether it's the the leaf or whether it's the blue coins, man, there's always something. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 the blue coins is easy enough. You just have to know where they are or you look it up guy, and you do it yeah. that way. But I did the pachinko, like I said, because of YouTube, the, the leaf one, I, I still have to do. <laughs> man, I can only imagine with the blue coins specifically when the game first came out, people doing the guides for that and having to figure out which levels had the specific blue coins. Cause in like an area, they're not all just in the one area. They're in specific levels that the blue coins are only available. And that must ugh, like the first people to go through that and find all the blue coins. 
I don't envy them at all. <laughs> yeah. All sunshine. But uh, yeah, and uh, thoughts on sixty four? Anything uh, stand out to you for that? Um, you know, it, does, it doesn't age particularly well. Um, you know, it looks fine. It looks fine. The, the camera angle, the the, the camera, camera is a disaster. But yeah. considering, I mean, it was basically the best three D camera at the time. You 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 have you. I, I I said on Twitter, you have to like understand that game from the con. You know, in the context of when it was released. You know, twenty five. You know, twenty years ago, that was the most advanced three D platformer ever made. Um, you know, and and you know it it traced. I mean, it, it blazed the path for you know a lot of other games. Um, but now, when you know you have a system that has Galaxy on it, has Odyssey on it, is going to have three D World on it. Mm-hmm. There's better three D Mario games, but it's it's not a bad game. It's just not the best anymore. Uh, I going back to Sonic Heroes for a second. I feel like Mario 64 also goes into that where it's fun for the first couple of levels. And then when it asks you to get a little zestier with the platforming, that's when the cracks start to show up, not only with the camera, but with Mario's controls just being a little weird. And, and I mean, some of the missions are also pretty basic. Like there's a few that you can literally beat within a minute. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. you know, they're kind of basic missions. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. You know, but again, this was like it wasn't the first 3D platformer, but it was the first really good one. Um, so you know, it just now we're all spoiled with better Mario 3D platformers. So yeah. you know, you have to kind of play it. You know, knowing when this game came out in 1996, there was nothing else like it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and I think that it can it can do a really good job still of surprising you and just being able to collect the stars out mm-hmm. of order, being able to just kind of do whatever. I feel like people who have not played the game before are in for a lot of surprises that you can still have with the game, which is pretty cool for a game being that old. Yeah, for sure. Logan, what you been up to? So like I said, I finished Ghost of Tsushima. Uh, I absolutely loved it from start to finish. I thought it just went, got better as I went on. I loved the third act. It's very brief compared to the first two, but it is just so good. Uh, I declared this in a text to Kevin. It's my favorite combat system of all time in any game ever. I it just I vibe with that combat really hard. Switching stances, I got really into. Uh, it's really quick. You just hold R2 and it pauses the action, like goes into a slow-mo. Very similar to Final Fantasy VII Remake when you open the command menu and it, it kind of goes slow-mo. And then you just swap stance if you're fighting a brute or a shield guy or a sword guy or a spear guy. And it is just, it's so satisfying and... I also love the moments where it lets it kind of lets the game breathe when you're just riding your horse in this field and exploring these shrines and the exploration is amazing. I love how it uses the the smoke in the air to guide you to different things because um, you really don't have to use your map in that game if you don't want to. You can find stuff without it. But I really liked the story too. How it all wrapped up was very impactful and I thought extremely well done. Um, I really loved that too. So yes, yeah, is easily. One of my favorite PS4 games, one of my favorite games of the year. Uh, I can't recommend it enough. I I really had a great experience. How goes the uh, the platinum? Yeah, I love it so much. Platinum. I'm going. For, I have zero platinum trophies to my name, but I'm going for the platinum in this game. Uh, it's good. Uh, yeah, there's a lot to do. Like I think that was something in the reviews is that there this is an open world game stuffed with things to find. There's like 40 foxes. There's like 40 shrines. There is so there's so many things to find and. I don't recommend doing that on your playthrough. I recommend just exploring and doing the main story when you're ready to. But, I mean, the game throws you right back in after you finish it. And now that there's no more story content to do, it's it's fun to still be able to live in that world, just checking off all the boxes I missed. So, 
it's going to be a while, but but it's fun and it's going well. Nice. I, yeah, I need to play it at some point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do. Definitely I do. Yeah. And then besides that, uh, more Monster Hunter World. Just always. Uh, I passed the 300 hour mark this week, so that was my that was my big milestone. <laughs> will uh, will you will you be playing Rise? Absolutely, I have it pre-ordered already. Uh, that game looks gorgeous. And are you interested in stories? Because that that's the one I'm interested in, like m- more than Rise. I want. I bought the first one on 3DS when it was on sale after two was announced. Um, I know you saw you said this on Twitter, Stealth. That looks like one of the best looking games on Switch. Stories two. Looks yeah, amazing. I mean, we've only seen I think one screenshot of the overworld and it's kind of a far back view and it doesn't look as good. Mm-hmm. Um, but we don't know that because we haven't really seen too much gameplay. Um, but in terms of like the cutscenes, it's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. It's really unbelievable. Yeah. So I'm excited. I'm excited to try that one out, but yeah, just still wrapping up world and preparation. It, it, it's just funny that as soon as they announced the end of the world content, they announced rise like <laughs> a week later. Yeah. Pretty perfect. Yeah. Zach and I are the ones who play monster hunter still. And we were talking about how we were sad that world was ending. And then literally days later, we're like, oh, we only have to wait six months for, for the next huge yeah. batch of content. So looking forward to that. But I was going to talk about my Wii U collection a bit, but we got another segment <laughs> we want to get to. So I'll, I'll save that for next week. We'll, we'll get to that next week. Yeah, yeah there's, there's some stuff there. Uh, I played Streets of Camarocho for like 20 minutes. Nice. <laughs> that came out on Steam, part of uh, Sega's 60th anniversary. Another limited release for like two days this time. Yeah, two days, yeah. And... Uh, and being in a completely different time zone, I was like, I don't know when it's available. Like, I got to, like, wait later, and then it could just vanish. So that was fun. But I got that, played it, and realized that I don't think I like the, uh, I just don't like the Streets of Rage-style games. <laughs> I think it's just not for me playing through it. It was cool, you know, just to, to play through it with a, with a Yakuza skin on it. But it's only one level. It repeats. It just gets harder and harder as you go along. You know, just... It's got um, Ichiban as a as an unlockable character. Oh, cool. It, it's it's cool that that all that's there and it's free, so I'm not gonna like rag on it at all. But I just realized that it, <laughs> that that style of game yeah. is not for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm glad I'm glad that I played it. Other I, than that, uh, what? How's the FF Seven remake going? I was gonna ask. It's good. I was I was playing it uh, just a little bit before this. It is a good time. Yeah. Um, chapter 12 i think oh nice um I w- uh, last week talking about wall market and that has probably my favorite moment so far uh when the game decides to turn into a rhythm game <laughs> it's like <laughs> yeah it was really good i really liked it i really liked how they pulled that whole thing off but mm-hmm. that entire area i really liked a lot uh combat's still a good time uh just opening up more and more as you go along with the new weapons um I remember the thing that you were talking about, though, when the game first came out of of not knowing when enemies would have stealable weapons. Yep. Mm-hmm. Those when weapons you, had you your, could just yeah. miss and not ever Yeah, so I, I, I had a moment where I, I went into a boss fight and I assessed him and he had an item that I could steal. So I just turned the game off, turned <laughs> yeah. it back on, equipped, equipped the steel materia and then went in on that fight and mm-hmm. got the and got the the rod but i feel like that's probably my only major gripe is was that, that the ghost a, a of... carriage boss fight yes yeah mm-hmm. it, i missed that weapon was. and it's like one of the best ones for Aerith, and i missed it oh really okay yeah. <laughs> so i'm glad i noticed that because i also keep forgetting to like scroll down sometimes on the descriptions so i just did that i'm mm-hmm. like oh he's got he's got that so mm-hmm. I, I feel like the materia and just 
after or before every single boss fight, I just save. I have my equipment material. I go into the fight, see what their, you know, what their loadout is, what they're good against, what they're weak against, if they have a weapon. And then if I need to to respec, I just quit out and mm-hmm. and respec. Because it is funny how some of these boss fights just break. They either yeah. break if you have the right materia, or they become brutal if you don't have the right materia. Yeah, but it's uh, fun stacking your materia and figuring out the setup for each fight. Like I do really enjoy that. Yeah, yeah. If you know if you know what you're going up against, it is fun to kind of do the loadout. But yeah. um, not knowing beforehand can be a little bit annoying. You just have to boot it back down, or you can try and beat it. You know, with with the uh, with the inoptimal materia. Stealth. Did it's you play Final thing. Fantasy VII Remake? I did. Um... I I have a very good game, probably the best looking game that Square has ever made. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Um, oh, really pretty. The ending. I'm not going to spoil anything. I've not gotten there yet, so please don't. Okay. Um, so like the original story, I like. Then when you know these newfangled Square Enix writers start to change, that I don't like. Um, yeah. so I mean it, it's good. Do I consider it a top? three rpg of the year i don't um i think there's better ones um i think persona 5 royal is better i think xenoblade chronicles definitive edition is better um and honestly this is gonna be controversial um i think sheer the wanderer on switch is is also gonna be very very good um mm-hmm. <laughs> top five rpg yes i i'm i'm, I'm a purist when, when, when it comes to that game so like any changes like even in comics or you know or comic movies like if it doesn't completely stick to the comic story uh, I'm, I'm i'm against it so i'm like i'm, I'm, a, I'm an annoying purist so I, I admit that yeah i actually uh i i disagree with you there i'm i have no attachment to the original i played it for yeah, the first time this that's year. fine yeah so when i i played it and the remake in within the same month so when i saw what they did i'm like i actually am a fan of it I'm curious to That's see fine. where, yeah, they, I mean, where I, they go I, with it from now, though. Yeah, I, I played the original at launch, and that was probably one of the more magical like mm-hmm. gaming experiences yeah. I've had. Um, so yeah, I can understand like having the remake be your first and being completely okay with that. And and don't get me wrong, great game. Um, it's just not it's it's not what I imagined when they announced it like five years ago. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's you fair. just assume that they're bringing the whole game over the way it was. Um, yeah, I, I maybe I was silly in thinking that they would, um, but you know when Monolith Soft was able to, and it doesn't look as good as that, but when Monolith Soft was able to bring the whole game over, make it look better, add way more content, mm-hmm. that that you know that 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 kind of resonated with, with me more than taking a piece of a game and then expanding it out. Yeah. But um, you know. I I'm very curious to see now what part two is going to be like. I'm just very curious. Yeah. Hopefully I'd like to see it soon. I'm hoping we see it like spring 2022, I think would be a great, like if it's another like three plus year wait, that would be way too long. You're having to wait in between all of these different parts. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, someone who has not even played the original, no, uh, Logan playing it right before, uh, yeah, I have no attachment, and it's fine because I'm playing it, and I don't know what's new and what's not. So mm-hmm. playing through a section, and then be like, "Oh, that was fun," <laughs> and then Logan comes and tells me, "Oh, yeah, that wasn't in the original." I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> yeah. like I didn't know yeah. that, but it was fine. Uh, and you know, I, I feel like for a lot of people that didn't play the original, that's probably their thought process. But yeah. I can totally understand for people who played this, you know, growing up, and this is like a a monumental game. Like this is 
this has played a big part in a lot of people's lives and to have that be be changed in some ways is it's kind of hard to mm-hmm. take sometimes so yeah, i can totally understand for people who have grown really attached to the original yeah. but for me i'm having a good time so and that's about it so why don't we transition over to another rpg um one that we've all played dragon quest 11 we've got yeah. the definitive edition coming to yeah. ps4 to xbox one and uh, now that we have Stealth on, who's also played that game, we thought we'd uh, finally talk about it. Although we don't have Zach, which... <laughs> who also loves that game. Really yeah. sucks, because yeah. we've all played it. Um, but I thought that we thought that now was a uh, was a good time to talk about Dragon Quest. So, again, You got stealth, the time, Stealth? Guess. We've been going over an hour. You got time to stick around and talk about Dragon Quest? For oh, I do, yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> Just want to make sure. <laughs> um, so before we get into Dragon Quest Eleven proper probably a good idea to talk about where we stand with the series in terms of past games that we played. So stealth for you first, what's your history with dragon quest before 11? Um, I had the first dragon quest when it launched on NES. I've owned every dragon quest game, every main game, every side game. I've even imported the games that never came out here. Um, probably my favorite RPG series, um, played many of the games more than once. Um, so yeah, um, I don't, I don't consider myself, I mean, I'm a super fan, I guess. Mm-hmm. So I want to ask, I, I remember following you on Twitter when 11 was coming out and you waited, you waited the year I waited. after the PS4 I waited. version for the switch. What was the thought process for that? <sighs> One of the harder waits that I've had, and I got a lot of flack <laughs> for that. Um, yeah. only because right before, like, I think it was like two months before the PS4 release or somewhere around that time frame. Um, Hori, you know, the director producer of the series said that the Switch version was going to get more content or, you know, or, you know, it was going to be different. He didn't directly say it was going to have more content, but he implied it. Um, he implied it. So I was like, okay, I can either play the PS4 version and then play the Switch version, which I, I'm pretty, I was pretty sure was going to have more content. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, just because pretty much all the enhanced ports of dragon quest games do mm-hmm. um so i was like i can either play it now or and then play it later but not i, I don't know there, I, I just wanted to play like the game with the complete experience yeah. I, don't, I didn't know how to describe it because I, I didn't even know what what the content was um but i just decided to hold off um a, over a year and yeah i mean i was i was ple- somehow i stayed on uns- I stayed unspoiled for everything until someone I stayed unspoiled until someone like was being a jerk and like tweeted at me a major spoiler, like right as I was about to start the the definitive edition. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was kind of a bummer. Um, But yeah, I I waited. That's impressive that you waited. I knew knowing that you're a fan of the series from the original, I feel like a lot of those people wouldn't even be waiting for the the localized version and would get the Japanese version first. So Yeah, so but I mean I'm glad I did because the Switch ver- because the Switch version is better. It's significantly better than the PS4 version. Yeah, and um, actually, so I'm, I'm like a little bit envious because I still haven't seen that new content. I have I played like 80 hours of the PS4 version and then 25 or so of it's... the Switch version I didn't get to the main new stuff. It's not a ton of like brand new like Switch exclusive content. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a few side stories that fit into the game, yeah. but it's, they're not long. Okay. The big deal 
is that it took the 3DS content mm -hmm. and put it in the Switch version, which means you can play the game completely as an SNES game. Yeah. Right? As exactly as an SNES game would look. Mm -hmm. Random um, and then too. Random account, yeah, everything. The, the way the battle menu looks um, straight ahead, um, everything. And then also, you know, there's um, a 3DS exclusive SNES looking town um, where you can visit like prior Dragon Quest areas in 2D, which is also very cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did um, and that was cool. And that was 3DS content. So. Yeah, I mean, this is the Switch version took all the 3DS content, added some new content, added some quality of life changes. Doesn't look as pretty as the PS4 version, obviously, but other than that, it's it's the better version. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I uh, had never played a Dragon Quest before Eleven, um, but I'd always been interested in the series. I remember I wanted to play Eight when it got brought to 3DS a few years ago, but never got around yeah. to it. And then. There was that Kotaku review from Tim Rogers, which was extremely well done. I watched it, and I think like a lot of people, after watching that, it totally worked on me, and I'm like, I, I have to play this game. So I got it on launch day, absolutely fell in love with it. Uh, Zach picked it up shortly after, Kevin a couple months later, and yeah, I just, I, I fell in love with it immediately. Like, I love that just classic JRPG feel, but what what gets me away from a lot of classic JRPGs is that the quality of life stuff isn't there. And it is in Dragon Quest XI. It is such, like, an easy game to play. There is really nothing holding it back from being a very welcoming, warming experience. And so that's, yeah, I, I adored that game immediately. And it didn't, it didn't stale at all over its 70-plus hour runtime for me. Yeah. As for me... Uh, first Dragon Quest game I played was nine. That was the DS one, yes. I think. Yeah. Those are the Starry Skies. Yep. And I didn't like it as a kid. Um, I know that a big deal of that one at the time was being able to play it multiplayer. Um, and I didn't have anybody else to to play that game with. Um, and the only RPGs I had really played at the time too extensively was Pokemon. So I think uh, it was. It was a little much, uh, and not having another person to play it with, uh, I've heard that is the definitive way to play it, so I never got into it. And then after that, <laughs> didn't really even think about Dragon Quest until Logan picked it up, and then was like, yo, this game real good, you should pick it up. And then uh, when it was on sale, I was like, all right, I may as well. And I also had a similar experience uh, early on in the game where I'm like, yeah, this is this is really good. You have... You have those moments very early on with with the characters, with the with the quality of life, not having random encounters, having some of those features. Where I'm like, okay, this is this is the definitive version of an old school style JRPG that I want, and I had that feeling pretty early on. Uh, well, I uh, definitely dated my, I definitely dated myself saying that my first one was the <laughs> NES one. You did, yeah. <laughs> um. Stealth, what were your thoughts in your initial first couple of hours? Was it boom, this is it, this is this is what I want right off the bat? Um not immediate. I mean, yeah, I, I knew it was gonna be good. Um, you know, I was I was enjoying it, I was having fun. But then it probably wasn't until the middle where I was like, okay, this is a very special game. Um and then, you know, toward the end, I was like, Yeah, this is amazing. Uh, you know, the just the twists and the turns of the story and everything else. Um, you know, there, there's some parts of it that aren't as, as polished as 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 I would have liked, but um, 
yeah, I mean, the, 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 the first few hours of the game are slower and kind of are a little bit more cliche, I, I guess. Yeah, um, sure. You know, there's a lot of cliche in the game. Um, yeah, I mean, I liked it. I mean, yeah, I, the, the, I mean, the combat's classic combat. The world is good. I mean, the music's amazing. So, yeah, I mean, right away, I was, I was hoping. So, like, I was never going to stop. The music is amazing. <laughs> yeah, in the, in the, the Switch version, the music, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's the orchestra, yeah. yeah. That's true. <laughs> I am that is very true. I'm looking nicer music yeah. whenever yeah. I pick up the, uh, the definitive edition. Yeah. Uh, let's get into some different aspects of the game. So, spoil- well spoilery with, from this point yes, on, spoilers. we'll talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> We're starting with characters and stories, so this is the most spoilery section. The game's been out for a little while, so you've had the time, but if you're waiting for that PS4, Xbox One version of the Definitive Edition... It's going to be on Game Pass, which is awesome. Yeah, for all uh, all 10 JRPG fans on on Xbox, yeah. There it is! (laughs) The same 10 people that picked up Final Fantasy XV on... uh, On Xbox One. On Xbox, they're probably the same people that are picking up Dragon Quest XI. Yeah. Um... But I think one of the strongest aspects of Dragon Quest is just the cast of characters mm-hmm. that you meet as you go along through the game. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but that that was one of my one of my favorite parts of the game was just seeing all of these characters interact with one another and just seeing the different range of characters where you've got just the main normal hero that doesn't say anything. That's standard. And then you have just like the sidekick friend, the buddy friend. You have uh, the weird old dude. You have the mage. You have... Whatever Silvando is, just the crazy. Okay, you, you say weird old dude, but he's a pervert old dude. He's Master yeah. Roshi. Yeah, he is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I feel like they each serve their their niche character really well. What do What do you guys think of the of the characters? Yeah, I mean, I I really liked I I like them when they're together, and then you know, as part of the story, they get blown apart, and then you know, you kind of see them individually, and then yeah. they come together again. Um. But yeah, I mean, each character, I mean, each character shares like certain weapons or skills on the grid. Um, but, you know, you can put together some very unique parties, mm-hmm. um, you know, that are different. Like some might excel more toward magic or healing, but generally you can play with anybody, I think. Um, but yeah, I mean, the cast of characters, I mean, Silvando is amazing. He's, a he's probably the most, he's probably the most like unique character like a jester character um and his whole plot in, 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 with, in, with prince ferris when you are introduced to him is just it's one of the best parts of the game how they introduce silvando in yeah he's trying to fix this kid who just doesn't care about anything like that's yeah. a great introduction plot arc i mean honestly i i don't know why i, I wasn't expecting hendrick you know like the, the fallen knight to you know to join your party yeah. too because he's been a villain for like 60 hours um <laughs> yeah and then all of a sudden, for it to be different was was interesting. Um, but yeah, I, I like all the characters. Um, yeah, I, I like the banter between you know um, Eric. I forget that I haven't played it in a while, I, but I think I know the names. Eric. Eric. Um, uh, what's 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 the short blonde character's Veronica. name? Veronica. <laughs> Veronica. Veronica. I, I like that banter between them, mm-hmm. um, and how you know you, you you kind of you know there's an overall story, but there's also a story with each of them. You know. Like a like a side story, so I I appreciated that. Yeah, and it's it's so cool how this overarching story is, especially in the first act, is almost the most basic JRPG plot you can get. But 
the side stories in these towns that you visit and the people you interact with. Yeah. Like Prince Ferris, when I was just talking about the mermaid quest where you're trying to reunite these, these two lovers who had a kind of a, a it turned out poorly for them. Yeah. I, I mean, I mean the fact that characters come back around again later on and, you know, they're, I guess we can talk spoil. We can talk spoilers yeah. now. Where they basically, you know, you, you go back in time. You know, you 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 play through the dark timeline, but then you know you go back in time and you switch things, and then there's different bosses and everything is different, um, and all the characters are different. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is really cool. Yeah, and you you have an option to redo some of these quests. You get that conch yeah. shell, right? And it's like you can go and redo the mermaid quest, and it, it plays out a little bit differently this time. Like that's just so cool. Yeah. I just love how it does that in its third act, and it didn't feel like padding to me. It felt like valuable new content, in my opinion. Yeah, it felt like you were fixing, or you were getting the. You know, it, it feels like you got like the normal ending, but then you go back and you get the best ending. Uh, but the, but getting the best ending takes like 30 hours. That, that's how it felt like. It's like if Ocarina of Time continued past the end. Yeah. Which is, it's just, I, I love that time travel aspect of it. It is just, yeah. it's, it's really cool. Kev, do you have a favorite story part? Favorite story part? Okay, so we're getting into oh my. Know, full full spoilers yeah. here. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so I th- a, lot, a lot of this game is, you you can't see a lot of, of things coming. Even mm-hmm. Even being like, oh, you got to go and, and, and do do the Dark World stuff. I mean, that... I think you're about to say the point that was spoiled for me. But we'll see. Veronica dying. Yeah. Oh, I man. didn't... I It sucks that you got spoiled on that because yeah. that was the one thing in a game where I, I, mean, I love I, it, but it... You know, you can't see a lot of the stuff coming before you get there. That was the one moment where I'm like, I did not predict that. I did not see that coming. Yeah, and honestly, when it was spoiled for me, it wasn't malicious. It was just like, I, I, I'd been talking about it for a couple of weeks that I was playing it, and then someone DM'd me, oh, are you at the part where Veronica died? <laughs> you know, assuming I already got assuming, assuming I already got there, I'm like, what, Veronica dies? And then I tweeted about spoilers, about not assuming, because um, that really bummed me out. Because yeah, I, I would not have, out of everybody, not her. Mm-hmm. Right. So... If, if we're talking specific story moments, going back and, and doing everything again was really cool. But for a game that that is kind of by the numbers in some aspects, to have a moment that completely caught me off guard story-wise. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean... Probably my favorite moment. Yeah. And that moment in particular where, you know, you're gathering up all your friends and mm-hmm. it becomes clear that she's like the last one because you get everybody else first. Um, and then you basically you see her dying or dead. Um, with everybody in your party, and then yeah, it's just it's just a bad moment. I mean, it, yeah, I mean, even though I was spoiled for it, it still affects me. Um, but yeah, the fact that you can go back, you can go back, you know, alter one thing that happens, and then everything else after that is like a completely different timeline. Yeah, um, is pretty crazy. Yeah, and which is cool because oh, Kev, I think you just mentioned. Also, that's one of my favorite parts of the game, but specifically when her sister Serena does cut off her hair in kind of like a like a way yeah. of remembrance and sacrifice, and that's just a beautiful and then, and then, cut scene. Yeah, and then and then she becomes a super mage. Yeah, yeah, she's amazing so from that good. point on. Oh my yeah, god! Yeah, she's a healer, black everything. Yeah, 
yeah so yeah. that's a really she great moment so powerful mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> and one of my other favorite story moments stealth you mentioned it is when hendrick does join your team that is yeah. so yeah, that, that's, cool. that's a cool moment yeah and he turns out to be my favorite party member not from a combat perspective but yeah. from a story but perspective but but what was really cool he joins you in the dark timeline but then when you go back he's still your enemy for a bit and then through different circumstances he joins your party again yeah um as a friend so which is awesome um, yeah. so yeah that's, that's a good moment yeah, so that was really cool. But yeah, I, I really, really enjoy the story of this game. Just the three-act structure is great. And like we were kind of saying, if you want it to end after you beat Mortigan and Veronica is dead, you have that choice. That is an ending. But if you want to yeah. put in that extra time, grind up to beat Kalasmos, who, oh boy, that is a tough boss fight, then you can do that. And I think that's that's just really, really cool that it's almost like its own sequel within this game in its in its own final act. Yeah, I'll, I'll talk about one more, and okay. this is where you save um, the hero's father, who's basically being tormented by like a nightmare enemy, who's basically he's dead, he's a ghost, but he's reliving mm-hmm. his torment of not being able to save his wife and his child, and so you have to defeat the boss that's that's haunting him, mm-hmm. and you know I think you do it in the dark timeline, and you know everything is is good, but then you know when you you have the option when you you're in the light timeline to go back and save him again. And it's a harder boss. And then you get his armor. Um, yeah. You know, he leaves his armor, which is a really cool moment. Um, so yeah, that, that's a good one. We're actually saving the hero's father. Mm-hmm. That one is, that one is really, really cool. I liked that a lot too. I actually thought he was going to join your party briefly. I thought, yeah. like, no ways is our dad about to join us, but then he goes to join, join your, your mom. Or yeah. Whatever it is. But I thought, I thought he was going to join the party. Yeah. <laughs> That would have been a that would have been a little bit of a curveball. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, your yeah, dad's here. <laughs> yeah, I also love the tournament arc with Vince, who is like this really nice guy, and then you figure out he is doing some shady stuff underneath the orphanage. Yeah, but is. but he's he's still a nice guy. Yeah, he is. He's just trying to protect these orphans and yeah. Who yeah, and then you know family. that town becomes like a monster casino gambling town. <laughs> yeah. How everything yeah, changed, you know, it's just yeah. crazy how on each arc the towns just change and the world changes. And even like, you know, the the, the field enemies are first they're normal, mm-hmm. then in the second arc they get like red eyes, yeah. then they become like different monsters, and then in the third arc they become like dark monsters. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just you know, the diff- they know like the difficulty ramps up, and then like the monsters, even the monsters change. Yeah, it's really cool. Speaking of that world, may as well hop into that now. Just the world and overall presentation. The game is gorgeous, but specifically the different areas that it has has you go to and how each of these different towns that you're visiting has just a completely different feel from all the other towns that you go to. At one point, you're in a hot spring town. At the other point, you're in the tournament place that turns into a casino at a later point. There's the port town. Like There, there are so many different varied towns that you go to that it feels like a world and i think that is a really strong aspect of the game in terms of its overall world is that you do feel like you're exploring a world going up into the north or like going underwater like it is it is an expansive world and each place that i went to felt completely different from Mm -hmm. from the last town or settlement or wherever that you're going to yeah you mentioned Uh, the hot spring town the writing in that one's amazing because they all speak in haiku and it's just so cool it's like that's all localized and it's just amazing writing that they can still tell the story with that writing style 
Yeah, I, I think the towns are all great. I think the towns are all great. I mean, the, the overworld is kind of limited. Um, you know, it's kind of point A to point B. It's not like Xenoblade, which is very open. You know, you find different things on the map that are that are interesting, or like a landmark. It, it's it, 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 the overworld is a means to an end to get to the great towns. Yeah, mm-hmm. that is true. Which I don't personally mind because I'm not like a, the biggest fan of these overwhelming open world games. Dragon Quest, I don't really allow yeah, it doesn't really overwhelm you. Like I find it refreshing. Yeah, yeah, I like that linear structure where yeah you can find the sparkly spots or the treasure chest in these wide areas but it really is about getting to that next location that's marked on your map and i didn't mind that at all um but yeah the towns the towns are gorgeous and definitely the highlight of the world yeah 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 and the exploration makes is better when you don't have random encounters where Mm -hmm. (laughs) if you do want to be exploring you're not just running into uh running into a bunch of battles um that was that was another thing that when I booted up the game and saw oh random enc- random encounters are gone I'm like oh thank goodness because mm-hmm. I knew that I could explore because when you when you go into like actual dungeons yeah in more traditional JRPGs I loathe those because I know that there's items on the optional path that I can go down but then I'm gonna have to sit through like three or four fights yeah. just to get down there maybe there's nothing and maybe I just wasted my time uh, but being able to maybe, explore. Yeah. And my items, if I have to heal or something, or MP or something like that, I'd have to wait something. So it makes exploring the world even easier, mm-hmm. having having random encounters be gone and being able to see all the enemies on the overworld. Yeah, and I That's like nice. the uh, I like the enemies that you kill then take over and like ride around on them or use. Oh them yeah, in oh, different yeah. Places. That's really cool. Yeah, like it's pretty simple once you get in those machines, but it's just cool mixes up traversal even just a little bit in that game. It's it's really nice. Those, yeah, you know, the rideable dudes, like yeah. slime dudes, things like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, we have been going a long time. Why don't we just roll right into the gameplay? It is pretty standard in terms of, of JRPGs, in terms of its combat. Uh, but I think probably the the biggest addition that it has is the pet power system that it introduces. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on the the basic overall combat as well as the introduction of the pet powers? Stealth, you want to go uh, first? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, 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 the base combat is standard turn-based JRPG stuff. There's nothing too yeah. unique about that. You know, you have your attacks, your magic, you know, your tactics, you know, items and things like that. Um, fun. Um, the battles, some battles can drag on. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the, there, there are some quests where you both, where, where multiple party members need to be powered up at the same time. Mm-hmm. Or you need to use one of those powers as the killing blow, which that if you don't, you have so to try brutal. and yeah. <laughs> do it all over again. That that was annoying, but but the but the but the but the basics of you know okay, so depending on what party member you're powered up, you get special moves is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they tied into some of the story um, quests where you know maybe your character has a moment of growth and then he gets a new move, um, I like that. Yeah, I really like the pet powers. It's it's fun that it feels like the slot machine is constantly going behind the scenes because you don't know when you're going to yeah. get pet powered up. It's random. No, so it's random. When it happens, it's like a really good feeling and can, in some cases, turn the tide of a battle. Yeah, so. I mean, there are items you get later on that automatically give it to you, but but you don't get those for a long time. Yeah, and then the, and even the, then, it's like you can't buy the, the rare. Yeah, they're expensive. They finally They eventually get added to the cobblestone town shop like way yeah. late in the game, but they're so expensive. 
So yeah, those aren't really a viable option. But yeah, I really like you the combat them. system. Uh, yeah, you I thought it was a lot save of fun. Those for the you save those for the late game grind. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't really want to use those over over normal yeah. gameplay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I do like the aspect of pairing the different pet powers. It's another way to to think about how you want to set up your party because maybe with your with your current setup you think you have everything fine and mm-hmm. then you realize that there's a couple of pet powers that you can't take advantage of because a certain character that needs to be on there for for the pet power to work isn't there so you have to kind of mix and match to yeah. have both you know what sort of what characters regular attacks you like to have as well as the specific pet powers you want to be and and, and the 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 and the interesting strategy is when someone does power up, you can pull them out of the party and they keep it until you right. need them yeah. to do yes. the move. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. which I also yeah. love that you can just swap your party during a battle and that everyone on the bench gets experience. It's just... Yeah. Yeah. It's great. to swap people in for any of that. <laughs> <Yeah>. God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, the pet power is really good system. That grind at the end, just go on, go on that for a second. We have to talk about one thing that's that's not so great about that. The mm-hmm. uh, about the game, just just the end game grind in order to beat the final boss and that final section where you're going back and refighting a lot of the same bosses to get yeah. to the point where you just grind on end. You base the you have to look up just the special way to grind so it doesn't take forever and it's yeah really specific way with the pet powers being able to use it so you get a, a max amount of experience with certain enemies. Yeah, spawning um, the metal slimes with the, the pet power was a, a godsend in that final grind. Yeah, yeah and it, it was it was the one moment in the game where everything dragged. Up to that point, I I couldn't point to a, a moment in the game where I'm like, yeah, this isn't this isn't any fun. And then I got to the grind at the end, I'm like, this is this is it's brutal. Because that last fight's hard. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's hard. Um I grinded and you know there's I, I I forget this character's name or even where, um, but where you can choose like different like prize options. One of them is marriage. Yep. Um, you know, and there's some bosses there. Um, the last boss I, I still couldn't beat even at my current level. I had beaten the final boss, but I went back. I, that that like I couldn't beat like the second to last or the last super boss. I couldn't mm-hmm. do. Um, yeah, the game is hard. Um, but you have to. Yeah, it, it requires grinding. Definitely. Which which you you really didn't need to do up until that point. It it felt kind of jarring at the end because you're rolling along and it and it doesn't feel like it forces you to go off and do a bunch of unnecessary. There are some interesting difficulty spikes that I found where some bosses are just much harder than others. Um the gold boss, uh when you're saving Mia, Eric's sister, that boss is brutal. That one took me a long time. And others are, I mean, even like bosses right after really hard ones are easy and then it gets hard again. So I think I mentioned that. I think I tweeted about that where like the difficulty like spikes are a little inconsistent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a very that's a very small gripe. Like that's the main thing you can point to. That's a that's a pretty dang good game. But uh, yeah, I mean, at the end, it's just hard. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, there's no way of getting around it. Mm hmm. Grind sure. up to level 100 in that boss. Yeah. Run is still brutal. Level 100, I still beat that final boss on like my last turn before yep. he's about to kill me. So. Yep, same. <laughs> yeah, same. But, but that's like the case with like every Dragon Quest game. There's always post game like super bosses. I remember um, Dragon Quest 7. I don't know if either of you have played that one. Mm-hmm. No, isn't um, that one like 140 hours to get to the end of? It, well, the, the PS4 version is longer than the 3DS version, but they're still both enormous. Mm-hmm. Um, like, the super hidden boss actually is God. 
and it's God as like the caricature with the white beard and the robe, and he's wow, just named God. Yeah, he wow. just named God, and um, this is hard. And but like every game, like every Dragon Quest game has these like end game super bosses that require grinding. Dragon Quest Eight has you fight the different dragons, um, and then you fight like the ultimate dragon. But like again, like all those post game bosses are hard. So we should probably get going, but Stealth, I do want to ask you if someone like us played eleven and loved it, what one should they go to next? Um eight. Eight is definitely next. Um then maybe surprising Dragon Quest five. That's actually the one I'm most um, interested in. I five is really interesting. Dragon Quest five is on DS, but I warn you it's gonna cost you a hundred dollars um oh. to to to, to, yeah. to get that version. Um if you pirate I'll turn around and you can do it. <laughs> I won't look. Um, but, but Dragon Quest V, um, it, it's really known as the game where, you know, they hated the hero, where just so many bad things happened to the hero that, you know, it's kind of known for that. Um, the story itself is amazing. I won't, I won't go in, in any, and yeah. I won't go in any deeper into it than that, but um, Dragon Quest V is definitely really, really good. Cool. Sweet. Was that yeah. it, Kev? <laughs> I think that is. Uh, before we go, Stealth, where can people find you? Um, people can find me on Twitter at Stealth40K. Um, I haven't streamed often, but I'm also Stealth40K there. I'm going to get back into it, but you can find me on Twitter. All right. That is going to do it for us on this week's episode of Ode to Games. We're here on Fridays as well as the occasional Saturdays when something like this happens, but we're usually here <laughs> on Fridays. On our website, odagames.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, other podcast streaming services that you may use. We're on Twitter, at Ode to Games. We're also on Twitch, at Ode to Games as well. Also don't stream often. <laughs> okay. we'll, we'll get into it at yeah, some point. some point. I hope. <laughs> you can send an email to odagamescast at gmail.com. Okay. Uh, for Logan and Stealth, I'm Kevin. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week.